Climate change, pollution, coral bleaching. With all the bad news we hear about the environment, it's hard to hold on to hope. But today's speaker wants to change that. Zoe Richards has spent decades exploring the corals of the Kimberley region in Western Australia. She says they may hold secrets that could help protect coral populations globally. Hello, everybody. It's my pleasure to be here on Noongar Wajak Country. So I've been reflecting lately about the extent of change that's happened on coral reefs in my lifetime. I've seen diverse and productive ecosystems change into fully degraded systems verging on functional collapse. The hard corals have been signalling for about 25 years now that not all is well in the ocean. Their clearest signal happens when they bleach. Now, bleaching is a stress response. When the corals first fluoresce and then they turn ghostly white because they are basically suffocating to death. Now, corals all over the Indo-Pacific have been sending out these stress signals. But so far, the global response to the issues at the heart of the corals' distress, such as climate change and pollution, has been sluggish at best. It's overwhelming to think that we could lose coral reefs as we know them over the next few decades. The problem is the threats that face coral reefs are happening at a planetary scale. We're talking about pervasive changes to the chemical composition of the oceans and the atmosphere. The future of coral reefs truly is in our hands. What we do over the next decade is crucial and every action every day matters. To turn back the clock on the global degradation, what we need is ambitious leadership and urgent, meaningful climate action. But it needs to be backed by robust and innovative science. But what we also need is hope. Hope that we can turn back the clock and hope that your grandchildren and their grandchildren will have the opportunity to experience the wonder of coral reefs in the future. So it might not sound like it so far, but my talk today is actually about hope. I'm going to tell you about a coral reef ecosystem that gives me so much hope. It brings a smile to my face when I think about it. So over the last two decades, I've been working in the Kimberley, documenting the marine life. The Kimberley is raw, it's rugged, and it's remarkable. It's the type of place that makes you feel alive. The energy is palpable, but at the same time, when you're breathing that Kimberley air, it gives you a sense of deep inner calm. It makes you feel like you're part of something bigger, something older. So when you hear about the Kimberley, you're often hearing about the land component. You're hearing about the landscapes, the waterfalls, the gorges. But the Kimberley has a 12,000 kilometre long coastline. And off that coastline, there's a huge archipelago of two and a half thousand islands. A lot of those islands are fringed by reefs. And in between the islands are patch reefs and shoals. Together, the islands in the reefs form a huge marine realm that has been part of the dreaming of numerous native tidal groups for tens of thousands of years, and it's only recently been studied by Western scientists. 
So the Kimberley is governed by the tide. The tides up there are huge. At some locations, they oscillate up to 11 metres. So this means you could be on the intertidal reef at 6am in the morning, surrounded by the coral, watching the sunrise, but by lunchtime, that exact spot would be underwater by about eight metres. Now, those huge tides have shaped some really remarkable reef structures. And one of them that you may have heard of is Montgomery Reef. Montgomery Reef is the world's largest inshore reef system. It's actually 400 square kilometres, and that's equivalent to about 20 times the size of Rottnest Island. So Montgomery, like a lot of the reefs in the Kimberley, is teeming with life. There's sharks and stingrays and sea snakes and seabirds and marine invertebrates galore. It's not uncommon to find turtles resting on the intertidal zone in shallow rock pools just waiting for the tide to come in. It's so much fun exploring these reefs because you really don't know what you're going to find. At one moment, it could be a blue ring octopus, and the next, it could be the world's largest predatory worm. But one thing's for sure, time is of the essence, because once the tide turns and the water starts flooding back in across the reef, it's time to go. And believe me, there's good incentive to go because quite often patrolling the front of the reef are saltwater crocodiles, just waiting for one of these two-legged creatures to make a false move. What I really want to tell you about today, though, are the corals. The corals of the Kimberley are just remarkable. They're prolific. When people describe coral communities, they're usually talking about the level of coral cover. So I've had the privilege of being able to document that right across the Kimberley. And I can tell you there's about 23% coral cover on a regional scale. And that's just a touch less than what you would find on the Great Barrier Reef. But some sites have far higher coral cover than that. So there's one spot I went to a few years ago in the North Lelangarum Marine Park, and the coral was so thick and dense, I had to absolutely abandon my intertidal surveys because there was no bare rock at all to walk on. It was the most intense thicket of profuse coral as far as the eye can see. So it's quite a good problem to have. Not only is there a lot of coral, there is a huge diversity of coral. So just in the intertidal zone alone, so far I've recorded around 225 species. So that's quite remarkable because most other intertidal reefs around the world would just have half a dozen, a dozen, maybe 20 species at most. Another thing about the Kimberley that's really remarkable is a lot of the species that I'm recording don't occur anywhere else in Australia actually only known from Indonesia. So when you think about it, it's not that unusual because around 12,000 years ago, the sea level was 120 or so metres lower than today. The northern Kimberley coastline extended far further out than today, and it actually ended around 100 kilometres from Roti in Indonesia. So that's closer than Perth is to Lancelin. So the Kimberley and Indonesia have a really you know, important shared fauna. Now, getting to the point of the Kimberleys and why they're important, it's really important to impress upon you that not only is there a lot of coral, a diversity of coral, but this coral is really healthy. And that is quite remarkable because you will have heard about climate change and the impacts that it's having all around the world. 
So these reefs, intertidal reefs, can be out of the water for up to three hours at a time. So that means corals are literally high and dry with the intense Kimberley sun shining on them, huge light levels, UV levels. They may even be exposed to monsoonal rainfall. Yet they're healthy and in some cases they are really, really thriving in these hostile conditions. So how is that when these corals are doing so well and other corals around the world are really struggling? So my colleagues and I suspected the answer lies at the molecular level. So we've done some whole genome sequencing to look for genes that are under positive selection. We actually found a cluster of genes on the Peronecan locus that were highly expressed. Although we don't know the exact function of those genes at the moment, the fact that there was such an abundance of these genes and expressed so strongly in these corals, but not in other corals we compared to, makes us hypothesize that they are likely part of the reason why these corals are so successful. We also hypothesize that other corals in the past that haven't had such high levels of thermotolerance have been purged from this population back in history. So what we have now is this cache of thermotolerant individuals. And there's a really exciting opportunity here for this community to inform coral adaptation science. So there's a huge momentum all around the world at the moment to develop innovative technologies to restore coral reefs and fast track the recovery of corals. People are bioengineering corals to make them smarter. They are manipulating microbes. They're crossbreeding corals to try and increase their fitness to create a super coral that'll be able to handle the current and future climate conditions. But so far, this diverse community of naturally thermotolerant corals in the Kimberley has been largely overlooked in this coral adaptation debate. It's really essential that these corals be brought into the conversation because there's so much we can learn from them and there's so much um, opportunity to inform this emerging and important area of science. So to me, the Kimberley corals offer a glimmer of hope that not all corals are sliding down a slippery slope. Thank you all. You just heard from Zoe Richards, Marine Invertebrate Curator at the WA Museum and Associate Professor at Curtin University. Zoe was speaking at our Occam's Razor live event at the WA Museum Bula Bardip on the lands of the Wajok Noongar people. I'm Tegan Taylor, your Occam's Razor host, and I'll be back next week with more moments of hope.